You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. And what's up, Houdat Nation? Welcome back inside another episode of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. Now, the Saints were able to pull out a gutsy win in overtime over the Chicago Bears on the road on a frigid night in the Windy City. And look, there's a lot of things to dislike about the game, a lot to complain about, and I'll get to all that in a little bit. But I really feel strong about this take right here. This was the best win the Saints had all season. You might be shaking your head. You might disagree. I'm here to tell you this was by far, without a doubt, the best win the Saints had so far in the 2020 season. It's actually the first time that I've felt really good about a Saints win, and I'll tell you why. I know it's easy to say the Bears stink and the Bears aren't a good football team, and that's fine. I do think the Bears are one of those teams where their record doesn't indicate the type of team they are. They might be, you might say they're five and three, but they're really a three and five type team. But here's why I really loved how the Saints were able to squeak out a win in this one. Here are some reasons. For starters, you're playing an elite defense, one of the best defenses in the National Football League without not your without your top wide receiver, your second wide receiver, and your third wide receiver. No Michael Thomas, no Emmanuel Sanders, no Marquez Calloway. And the Saints are still able to move the ball, at least methodically, from an offensive standpoint without their top three receivers. But that's not it. You're playing a defense unlike Carolina that doesn't play soft zone coverage. So a lot of people said, you know, leading up to this game, well, if the Saints were able to slice and dice the Panthers without their top receivers, well, Chris, can't they do that against the Bears? No, actually, it's different. And I'll tell you why. The Panthers were content on playing a zone coverage. And with Breeze, you can just slice that zone coverage apart. And more importantly, as a play caller like Sean Payton, you can scheme guys open because you know what the soft spots are in the zone. And you're, you know how to exploit that. With the Bears, they play a physical style of football. They play man-to-man coverage a lot. You saw with Fuller, he's one of the best cornerbacks in the National Football League. And when you don't have that luxury of scheming guys open, you're basically hoping and praying that guys like Deontay Harris, guys like Jawan Johnson, guys like Austin Carr and Traquan Smith, you're hoping they get open. And that is a pretty tough task uh, to ask for and to manage, yet the Saints were able to do that. Also, the run game for the Saints wasn't effective. I know you'll look at the stats and be like, Kamara ran the ball pretty well, but Latavius Murray had eight carries for 17 yards, by far his worst game of the season. So when you don't have the run game going, there's a lot of pressure on your passing attack that's missing weapons. And yet Drew Brees finished with 31 for 41 on pass attempts for 280 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. That's a great game for him. And I'll get into Drew Brees in a little bit. And, and let's just keep going with this theme of why I think this is the best win for the Saints. So we already talked about not having their top receivers, playing a physical defense, not having the run game. How about the fact that you're down 13 to 3 early in this ball game? There was multiple chances where the Bears could have just stomped stomped right on the Saints throat, end this game, close the door shut, and they didn't do it. Instead, when it's 13 to 3 with about a minute 30 left, the Saints go down the field, get a touchdown to go in a halftime, only down 13 to 10. And really, for a while, the Saints were holding on to momentum to the point where they were leading going into the fourth quarter. Now, there are things that I didn't like, and I'll talk about that in just a brief minute, but being able to come back down 13-3 against a really good defense on the road without your top three wide receivers, that's a really big plus for this team. But let's also talk about what else went against the Saints that they still managed to overcome. How about the calls in the fourth quarter? It seems like DeMario Davis forces a fumble. They call it a fumble at first, and then they say forward progress. And you can't review forward progress. So your players are thinking the game is over. Next thing you know, 
The game is not over. The Bears get a second chance, and the Bears capitalize. They hit that 51-yard field goal to force overtime. And look, I'm not here to argue whether or not it was the right call because in full speed, you think it's a fumble. When you slow it down, it does look like forward progress. The reality is, is every team going to get screwed over like that? I don't think so. I think this is a situation where this Saints football team, time and time again, have calls that don't go their way. So to be able to overcome that, that for me, yet again, is another plus. And the last thing, and this one is funny that it's still a narrative out there, there are people that still think that this Saints football team, they can't play on the road, they can't play in the cold. This is not the same, the same Saints team that people have been watching for over a decade. This team, if you punch them in the mouth, they're going to punch you right back. And I'm not just trying to make a joke here about what happened with Gardner Johnson, which I'll obviously address, but I'm serious. This is a Saints football team that... They are ready for a fist fight. They are not that finesse team that they used to be. They're so much different. So to go into Chicago, 30-degree weather, the wind is really whipping around. You don't have your top three receivers. You're going up against an elite defense. You are down 13-3, to and you manage to overcome all that and still win. I think that's impressive. Now, do I think the Bears as a team are impressive overall? No. Do I think what the Saints were able to overcome today against the Bears was impressive? Absolutely, and that's why I am really thrilled with the fact that they were able to win this game. Now, I want to talk about something that I saw once again floating on Twitter, and this isn't just for Saints fans. This is for basically any type of football fan, the casual fan. The national media keeps talking about this, and I think it is hilarious. Why are we so quick to just push Breeze out the door? If you haven't noticed, okay, there are so many people saying when he doesn't make this throw, the air yards aren't there. I don't give a crap about air yards if Drew Brees is still really efficient with the football, which, by the way, guys, he is. 31 of 41, like I mentioned before, 280 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and that's without your two best receivers. That's impressive. He's throwing the ball to guys like Austin Carr, Tommy Lee Lewis, Juwan Johnson, Josh Hill, Deontay Harris, Taysom Hill had a receiving touchdown. When you're able to continue to move the ball and it doesn't matter who's in, that's impressive. And mind you, the NFL's golden boy, Tom Brady, looked pretty damn bad against this Bears team when they lost on Thursday night football to them. But no one talked about that. Tom Brady forgot what down it was, and we just, you know, we just swept that under the rug after day. We made a couple of jokes on Friday, and then after that, we didn't talk about it. Drew Brees plays well against this Bears defense, and everyone's still trying to push him out the door. Late in the game, specifically in overtime, I saw him move around the pocket. There was one throw in particular that he made to Traquan Smith to keep the drive going. I couldn't believe he made it. I thought he was going to either fumble the football or get sacked, and he manages to just get that ball off while there's about three pass rushers draped all over him. Impressive stuff from Drew. And here's the deal. If you don't like the guy, just straight up say you don't like the dude. I don't care what you feel about him personally. That's up to you. But don't let that cloud your judgment of the way he's been playing football since week three. He struggled the first three weeks of the season. I get it. Since week three, Drew hasn't just been a good quarterback. He's been a top five quarterback in the NFL. And if you don't believe me, you go look at the numbers. You go look at the metrics. Every stat will tell you he's been completing the ball at the high clip. He's not turning it over. He's throwing at least multiple touchdowns per game. He has just been so good. Once that week three loss to the Packers was in their rear view view mirror, Drew really kicked it in to high gear, and he's been great. And I know people are so eager to say, Open up the offense. Let's get a guy who could throw the ball around. Go watch the Patriots. Go see how they're struggling in the post-Brady era. Why would you be so quick to push out something that's been so great for you when you don't know what's on the other side? I don't understand it. I will never understand it. And he's still damn good. If you watch this team and you don't think you can win a Super Bowl with him as the quarterback, I would love to know what team you're watching because he's not going to be the problem. If the Saints don't win this year, it's not going to be because of Drew Brees. I can tell you that much. 
It's going to be because of other issues, and I'll address that later. But I don't understand why personal narratives are clouding people's judgments. Just let it go. If you don't like the dude, say you hate the dude, but he could still throw the football pretty well, and we saw that against the Bears this afternoon. Now, there's something that I want to bring into the podcast. It's going to be a little new. It's more of a joking around segment for you guys. Um, And since it's straight up Saints, I figured we'd get in a new segment, and it's going to be the weirdest or the most egregious thing that happens during a Saints game, and the segment's going to be called Straight Up Bullshit. And for this one, it's going to be what the hell happened with Jawan Wims and C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I know there isn't an award for whoever is the best trash talker in the NFL, but I think it's pretty clear that award, if it did exist, would go to C.J. Gardner-Johnson. How do you have a guy that not only gets punched by opponents, he gets punched by his teammates. This guy got punched by Michael Thomas. He's getting punched by Javon Wims. And the funniest thing to me is these guys, why are you throwing hands when someone has a helmet on? I just don't understand it. The, the odds of Wims breaking his hand are higher than him actually doing any damage to Gardner Johnson, who kind of gave him that weird look. Uh, You know, I know there's that famous Ryan Gosling gif that everyone loves to use. It's almost like disgust. That's the way Gardner Johnson was looking at Williams. Like, did this dude really just punch me right now? Um, And I know that's going to be the main story. What I really loved about that incident was as soon as he threw hands with Gardner Johnson, Janoris Jenkins basically has him in like a rear uh, chokehold. And when you see that this team has each other's back, That's one thing for me that stands out because it reminds me of what happened with Andy Dalton a week ago when he got hit against Washington and he basically just gets his lights knocked out. And the worst part about it, besides the fact that it was a dirty hit, was that no one on the Cowboys was ready to fight someone on Washington's football team and they just literally just let it happen. The Saints basically said, if you're going to come at us, we're going to come right back at you. And I like that. You need to have your teammates back. They absolutely did. In that moment, but I would really love to know what Garner Johnson said. And you do not tell me that this all started because he basically picked, I think it was Anthony Miller's nose. I mean, it couldn't be over that. He must have said something pretty egregious. He must have also said something pretty egregious to Michael Thomas as well. Um, but Garner Johnson is taking a beating this year, not just with the routes that he's facing. He's just taking a beating physically with the punches getting thrown in his direction, which for me is somewhat hilarious and also weird at the same time. But he's a dog. You, you, you got to love his toughness. And he actually played better after getting punched in the head. I'm not kidding. Like, there were some plays in the in the run game, uh, even some plays in the pass game he was making well. He had a couple of mistakes late in the game that were crucial, uh, especially that that big pass play he gave to set up the field goal. He basically gave the sack yardage up, which is a mistake. But anyway, that for me was just, as I said, straight up bullshit between Williams and Garner Johnson. I have no idea how the hell that happened, why it happened. Uh, I'm sure Williams will, at the minimum, get a huge fine maybe suspended, but it was a funny yet weird moment. And that's going to be the first ever straight up bullshit segment here for this Saints team. Now, before I get into some negatives that I didn't like, but also some positives uh, to finish off the show, I want to talk about the Twitter questions that you guys sent it to me. I'll answer about five to six of them and we'll go into them. So the first one, do the Saints need to make a deal for a wide receiver and what kind of receiver would best help Breeze given where he is physically? Look, If the Saints were to make a deal for a wide receiver, I think the type of guy that would help them would be a Jamison Crowder type of receiver, a guy who's great yards after the catch, uh, really good in the short intermediate passing game. Because remember, Breeze doesn't really stretch the field. Uh, And the one thing I love about Crowder is he's played really well with bad quarterbacks and bad teams. He's played well with the Jets. He's played well with Washington. So he's one of those guys, you could stick him in a bad situation and he's still going to make the most out of it. So if they were to trade for a receiver, it would be one of those Jamison Crowder type players, in my opinion. But I don't think the Saints need to make a deal for wide receiver. I think what they need is their wide receiving corps to be healthy. They're going to get Emmanuel Sanders back next week. That's a huge plus. They need one or both of Michael Thomas and Marquez Callaway to come back as well to help 
them out. If they can get Michael Thomas coming back, that would be your big midseason acquisition on the offensive side of the football because everyone likes to talk about what's going on with the offense. They continue to put up good numbers. They're putting up 26 on the Bears without their three best receivers. They put up, I believe, 27 against the Panthers without their two best receivers. They put up 30 on the Chargers. They put up 30 on the Packers. They put up 35 on the Lions. This offense is churning out good numbers without their top guys. So I don't really think they need a receiver. They need to get their guys healthy. But if they were to get one, Jamison Crowder would be the guy. Do you think the Saints make a splash move before the deadline? Wide receiver, safety, cornerback, pass rush, what do you think? I think the the guys for me would be either another corner or a pass rusher. The cornerback market's tough. I know a lot of people are begging for the Saints to get Stephon Gilmore, but you have to realize if you trade for Stephon Gilmore, you're trading away at least a first-round pick. And I just think that's a, you're going to give up a lot. And I know Gilmore's fantastic, but Gilmore's also in a situation where he's with one of the best defensive coaches ever uh, in Bill Belichick. I am not so sure that Gilmore's going to come to the Saints and play as well as he does with the Patriots. Actually, I'm sure that he won't because the Saints coaching staff will not coach him up the way the Patriots do. And Gilmore is fantastic. I would hate to see the Saints ruin him uh, from a fundamental standpoint. So for me, I'm going pass rush. And the reason I say that is because Cam Jordan is not right. And I know he had a big sack late in the game, and it came at a really good time. But Cam Jordan is going up against backup offensive tackles, and he's struggling to make an impact. That cannot happen, guys. It cannot. So right now, Davenport and Trey Hendrickson have been the big-time pass rushers for the Saints, which no one would have imagined. Maybe Davenport, but not Trey Hendrickson. So if they can get Orion Kerrigan, if they get someone of that sort, I think that would be great. I know Washington says they refuse to trade him, but look, they're not going to play it stupid. If they get a price and a package that they like, they would give up Kerrigan. So for me, I think that's a guy you maybe target. Uh, I think the Saints like their cornerback uh, depth chart. I know you guys are probably rolling your eyes hearing that, and, and so am I right, while I'm saying it, but I do think the Saints like their cornerbacks. They're just not playing good football right now. It's that simple. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I think pass rush would be the go-to move. Why do you think Sean's play calling has been so erratic this year? Look, I'm going to be honest. I think Sean's play calling hasn't been bad this year. There's just a couple of things I didn't like. Today, I did not like the throwing behind the line of scrimmage to Kamara. I didn't like the constant swing passes. Those were things I didn't like, but people have to understand that, and I complained about Sean's play calling, specifically a fourth down play call he had, um, and a third and four that gave the ball back to the, the, the Bears in the fourth quarter. The reason I didn't like those were they were too predictable. What I do think people need to a little bit, you know, just ease back on the Sean Payton criticism is, as a play caller, you can't really scheme up a lot of stuff when it's windy, your quarterback doesn't have a strong arm, and more importantly, your quarterback doesn't have great chemistry with who he's throwing the ball to. That, for me, is the really tough one because who does Drew really know well besides Traquan, Jared Cook, and Kamara in the passing game? He doesn't know Juwan Johnson well. He doesn't know Tommy Lee Lewis well enough. I know Tommy Lee Lewis has multiple stints. Deontay Harris is coming into his own, and boy, was he electric as a punt returner. But Deontay Harris is still trying to learn how to become a, a better receiver. Uh, so for me, it's just it's tough to scheme up a lot of stuff. The Saints had to play conservative, and this was a game against a Bears offense that's not explosive where you can afford to do so. Um, the one thing that Sean needs to figure out is this Taysom Hill dilemma. Taysom had his best game of the season. I don't think that's any question. I, I thought Taysom was fantastic. And I said this was a game you needed to use him. It's cold. He's physical. He wants to embrace his contact. You need guys like that in a cold weather game like this. But what you need to figure out is it's become very predictable when Taysom gets the ball. Taysom's going to run. It's very simple. But are you going to find a way to scheme something up where Taysom's going to throw the football? 
Because if you can't, people are going to sit on that run play every single time. And that's a legitimate issue for the Saints. If they don't have any type of threat, any type of threat, where you're going to see Taysom Hill throw the football, I think they become one-dimensional when he's on the field. So that's a problem there. And I would like to see them fixing that. Uh, Let's see, next one. Can the Saints win the NFC South based on what we've seen against the Bears in the first half of the season? Um, Are Brady and the Bucs a threat? Yeah, Brady and the Bucs are absolutely a threat. Um, And I think, look, I know a lot of people are going to quickly overreact to next weekend's game. If the Saints lose, people are going to say the Saints aren't winning the division. If the Saints win, people are going to say the Saints are going to win the division. That's the way this type of thing goes. Um, I will say this. I think the Saints and the Bucs are both going to make the playoffs. I, I really do feel that way about both teams. I think they're both com- just balanced overall. Uh, they have deep rosters. Obviously, the Bucs are more balanced because their defense is light years ahead of the Saints. Uh, but I'm not going to completely overreact. I think the, the Bucs, for me, um, they are a piece away, uh, you know, losing a piece away from me being unsure of what they actually are. Like, I know their defense is good and their offense has really stepped up in games when they play bad defenses, but... If their offense, per se, loses a Gronk or loses a Mike Evans, what are they offensively? And I know they're getting Antonio Brown, but you don't know how long Antonio Brown's going to be on that football team because with a guy like him, he's basically a time bomb. Uh, Maybe he makes it through the season. Maybe. But there's a chance he also implodes two weeks in. Like, you don't know with a guy like that. So, for me, I've seen enough with the Saints where if a guy goes down, I know they have that next man up mentality. For the Bucs... If they were to lose another guy, was it an Evans, or they lose an offensive lineman, can they bounce back from that? I need to see. Um, I think both teams are making the playoffs. I think that the Saints can absolutely win the NFC South, and I do not think that Sunday's game is going to decide the division because let's say the Saints win, they improve to 6-2, and two, and let's say the Bucs beat the Giants but lose to the Saints, they're 6-3. and three. There's a half-game difference. I know the Saints would sweep the season series, and that would help, but you're really talking about a one bad week for the Saints, one good week for the Bucs, and all of a sudden... You're looking at the Bucs in first place without even winning a game against the Saints. That's why I want to say next weekend game, as important as it is, I don't necessarily say it absolutely decides the division. Um, obviously, if you win it, you're in a great spot. But I do think both teams are making the playoffs, and I do think the Saints have what it takes to win the division. So is something going on with Mike Thomas? Coach P- uh, Payton recently announced rumors, but do you think there's something serious going on? All right, so I'm going to answer this one, and this isn't like an, uh, uh, me just being mad about this question. I actually think it's a good question uh, because there's so many rumors floating around. But here's the deal about Michael Thomas. He is the most competitive player on this football team, and he can't play right now. And when you're a competitor and you're not able to go out on the field and compete nonstop, it hurts you, and, and, and you feel like you're letting your team down. And I guarantee you that's how Mike feels right now. Mike probably feels like he's letting his team down. And he sees that they're winning. And he sees that they are really close. The Saints, I know people are saying, are not as good as their record. I think the Saints, it should scare people that they are 5-2 and two, and they've been so sloppy on one side of the football. I think it should scare people because there's room to grow. And I bet Mike knows he needs to help his team. He wants to be a part of this team and help them win. And that's what hurts him. The Saints were never going to trade Michael Thomas this year. The dead cap would be insane. They just paid him. And they're trying to win this year with Drew Brees. Why would you trade your best player? It would make no sense to me. So I think this is a case of a competitive player being upset that he's not able to be on the field. So for me, that really is why um, there's some commotion there. All right, so I'm going to do two more questions. Here we go. Why does Sean keep pulling Drew out of the game on second down and putting Taysom in? Look, I'm not a fan of it. I haven't been a fan of it this year. Uh, Today it worked. But I think what Sean needs to understand is sometimes Drew has it going on. And... It just makes no sense to take him out. I I get playing Taysom. You need to play Taysom. Taysom is too valuable to not play. And you saw today, passing, uh, receiving game and rushing game, he is valuable. 
So I do want them to play Taysom Hill. I think I think sometimes though they have to dial it back because Drew is one of those guys when he's in a rhythm. It don't matter who his receivers are, he's gonna throw them uh, throw them open. So you have to really just let him uh, get it going. Last question here. Um, with the coverage woes this week, how do you see next week going? If the coverage is the same the way it's been going, it's going to be bad. The Saints will give up a lot of points. They're going to struggle to stop that Bucks passing attack. Uh, I think the Saints are already in for tough sledding against the Bucks. It's just I just don't see um, their defense having any success. But I'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I'll have a, a preview episode for that later um, this week. Uh, but look, if the coverage continues, it's going to be a problem. Lattimore getting a pick is huge, though. His confidence will be through the roof next week, and that's a good thing with him playing Mike Evans, who we know he loves to play. Now, before I wrap this up, guys, I want to talk about two quick negatives, and then I'll talk about two real quick positives for me, um, and then I'll probably wrap up this show because I have to, you know, other things to do. And plus, I don't want to hold you guys too long. You guys obviously want to celebrate this win. The the one negative that, really, that really stands out to me, fourth down. Fourth down defense needs to be better. Two out of three all late in the game where you're giving up these fourth downs, you need to be better. And, and if you're going to win a, a championship, and I know this is early and you guys are probably saying, forget about championship, but the, again, this the Saints are one of those teams this year that came in with Super Bowl or bust expectations. So that's why I say this. You cannot give up fourth downs at a 66% conversion clip. That's just not going to work. I know they only uh, attempted three times. That's th- that's two times too many that they converted on fourth down. And some of them were fourth and five, fourth and whatever. You just can't have that happen. Uh, for me, that was a concern. Third down efficiency was better, five of 15, way better than they usually been. Um, but red zone defense and fourth down efficiency need to be better. If those th- two things do not tighten up, this is going to be a problem going into the rest of November, going into December. And if they get into January, that'll be a problem in January too. But we'll see what happens. But fourth down efficiency needs to be better. And the second one, we need to talk about it here. Loyalty can hurt you. You need to be loyal to a certain extent. How much longer do we give Thomas Morstead with bad punting? Because I know he's had some good games, uh, some excellent games this year. But there's too many bad games this year as well. And today was windy, and I get it, and the conditions were bad. But late in the game, he had a 30-yard punt. When you need to flip the field, you cannot have your punter not show up. And I know it was windy, and I'm not asking for Thomas Morstead to get benched for Gillikin from Penn State. But... I do think it's worth asking, what is Thomas Morstead at this stage in his career? I do not think he's an elite-tier punter anymore. Um, And look, if your offense is clicking, you don't need your punter. But Thomas Morstead has been a weapon for years, pinning teams inside the 20. You need him to get back to that form. I think he he has what it takes. He's got a strong leg. But uh, I need to see. I think next week's going to be important for me. When the Saints do punt, can Morstead flip the field? I was a little alarmed with what I saw today uh, from Thomas. Now, before I end it real quick, I, I just want to say two things about this team. They are battle-tested. They are absolutely battle-tested. I know people are going to say that doesn't matter, and they look battle-tested last year, and it didn't work. This team is battle-tested. Injuries and slow starts, two common themes this year. The beginning of the year, it was their defense. No Davenport. Lattimore missed a game. Janoris Jenkins missed a couple of games. Their defense was depleted. And then it became the offense. Michael Thomas still missing time. Emmanuel Sanders missing time because of COVID. Callaway injured. Armstead was banged up a little bit. Um, you have Easton right now who's been missing time. And you find a way to stay 5-2 and two on the season. Really impressive. And slow starts. Down 13-3 against the Bears. Down 20-3 against the Chargers. Down 14-0 against the Lions. The Saints won all three of those games. That, for me, super impressive. Um, and you might say that this is, you know... Uh, a, a BS narrative and it, it doesn't mean anything. It means something. It means something to know that you can be down and you've, you've come back before and you think to yourself, Hey, we've done this. We'll do it again. That really does mean a lot. Mentality is a big thing in football. And we saw today 
there was one team that kept its composure when things were going south, and it was the New Orleans Saints. When things got a little hot, the Bears unraveled a little bit. I know they sent it in overtime, but they unraveled a little bit. The Saints never lost their cool. Even when giving up a game-tying field goal, it went into overtime. Saints never blinked. They never blinked. And for me, that's impressive. So I think this is a battle-tested bunch, and I think you Saints fans should be very pleased with the way they played against the Chicago Bears. But that's going to do it, guys, for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. Again, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. But until then, guys, enjoy this. Enjoy your victory Monday that's coming up. Uh, and get ready because Sunday night football next weekend, Saints, Bucks, know it's going to be a fun one. Um, and the, the lights are going to be bright, which means we're going to get some really, really big overreactions that following Monday. But enjoy this win. Enjoy your victory Monday. And stay tuned for more content on the Straight Up Saints podcast.